0: Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry.
1: To another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, flying solo today because my former co host, Matthew, is relieved. Luckily, he's still here. How are you feeling, Matthew? relieved of duties Henry
0: uh so am I, am I am I the interim like co-host now is that is that what it is
1: well hang on a few more we gotta figure some stuff out all right okay
0: hang on okay I gotta
1: go talk I gotta go talk to some people yeah, yeah
0: okay talk to ownership I
1: fired him but I, we didn't talk about who's it are we gonna have an interim or what uh, okay. 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 I'll ask him. Matthew. Yes. Would you like to be the interim co-host for the remainder of the lifetime of giant cocktails?
0: <laughs> I, I would if only though, if I could be considered for the permanent job.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be fine. Okay. That, well, I can only assure that for one year though. All right, all year right. well, um, we'll to year
0: contract. We'll we'll negotiate again next year.
1: <laughs> because let's face it, the success of this podcast is really based upon my performance, <laughs> and, uh, and the Giants' performance.
0: Frankly, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, that's well, that's sadly true. That is sadly true in reality. Outside of this bit, yes, <laughs> our cocktail shows are almost as successful now as our baseball show, <laughs> which is really great for our cocktail shows. It's not so great for the baseball shows. But anyway, Matthew, I was going to say that as the person largely responsible for the success of this show, I had to do something. Uh, so you're fired. I'm sorry, you're relieved.
0: I'm relieved. You're I'm relieved of my, my duties. Frankly, I'm just relieved. Yes. You know?
1: I, I. Well, that was the other reason I chose this word. <laughs> <laughs> just relieved. You know, relieved that the season is over. <sighs> and that we don't have to do this anymore.
0: Dude, um, dude, as late as like August, we had like a 70% chance to make the playoffs. Like, I just, I can't even wrap my brain around that. It's just like, like, wow. Wow. Like we, we couldn't win a oh, game on the road. Just wow. Like I, I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just, wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm relieved well, that the season has over been.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, since you don't know what to say, maybe i can I can help you by asking you a question. Okay. Here's my question. Are you ready? Yeah. Why do you do things exactly how I want you to do them when it clearly isn't working?
0: that That is a very good question. Uh, and And with hindsight being twenty 2020. Now that I am relieved of my duties, I should have just told you to F off and do it the way I thought it should be done. Uh but you know, I'm a team player, Ben. I'm the I'm <laughs> like, "Hey, if that's the way you want it, I will play that game. I you want me to you want me to platoon players and to have openers and, you know, just yeah, I'm your guy. I'm I'm the guy for you. Ben.
1: No, I just wanted you to make cogent and intelligent and insightful comments while getting drunk is that too much to ask
0: a little bit <laughs> <laughs> uh, on paper no that's not too much to ask but in in reality uh on the second drink the cogent and part just uh, starts starts to, to to dwindle a little bit so yeah. Yeah. But you know, well, that's that's the the hand that was dealt to me. I'm just, you know, that's the premise of the show. You wanted me to drink these drinks. You wanted me to have these takes, and now you've relieved me of my duties because because why?
1: Well, one cuz I really wanted to say the word duties as much as possible in this show. <laughs> but also because Uh, I wasn't going to
0: fire myself. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Looking out for number one. uh, I get it. I get it.
1: And those are really the only two options, Matthew. (laughs) So, So it was you or me. Yeah. Anyway, folks, I think you know what we're talking about today. Uh, last week, I think we intimated that we were going to be talking wrapping the season up, maybe handing out some post-season awards, talking about our favorite plays and our favorite players and all of those sorts of things. We're probably going to push that out at least a week. The entire month of October has kind of changed. It's changed a lot, right, from a month ago when we all thought we'd be talking about the playoffs today. Yeah. Uh, we would be we would be previewing the playoff series of the Giants, who probably would have finished in the third wildcard spot. So they would be playing the Brewers, I believe. That's the team that didn't get the bye. So, uh, the, but instead, now we're talking about uh, Gabe Kapler getting fired after having been after having had his job reportedly being guaranteed for next season by ownership just two weeks ago. And I know you've heard about it on Twitter and read about it on the websites and seen it on TV. Tons of people have talked about it and conjectured it. And, uh, well, this is a weekly show and we haven't had our chance yet, so we're going to do that today. And we're going to get to all of those awards and postseason reviews next week. And then we're probably going to spend the rest of October talking about this managerial search. But anyway, today is Sunday, October 1st, as we record this podcast. The San Francisco Giants season has mercifully come to an end. They went two and four this week, dropping two out of three against the Padres and then dropping two out of three against the Dodgers at home and also dropping their manager in between those two series.
0: He was relieved
1: then. That's right. Sorry, he was relieved. He was relieved. And I think he probably was a little relieved as he rode his bike back home along the Embarcadero. Uh... And concluding the season, bringing their season record to 79 and 83. Two games worse than last year, and 28 games worse than the year before that. 79 and 83 in year five of the Farhan Zayedi regime. and for one of the most storied teams in baseball. One of the wealthiest teams in baseball. And these aren't my assertions. These are the assertions of the ownership. I don't think that we can describe this season as anything other than a complete and utter... Waste of your entertainment dollars. It was
0: a complete, and utter cluster f <laughs> is what it was. But
1: <laughs> it was. I agree. It was a cluster for sure, especially since the postseason. And and it turns out things were a lot worse than than we thought they were. Um, But, I mean, we're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We, we, we we're, So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Kepler firing. We're going to talk about how that came about. And we're going to talk about why it probably came about. And I think we have a little bit of some different ideas as to why the Giants had to do this. Um, I don't think Matthew or I either of us think of it as fair or right but I at the very least think that after the way things had gone during the previous week that it was absolutely necessary for Gabe Kapler to be relieved um, and we're going to talk about that for the rest of the show but before we do for one last time just for the fun of it just just <laughs> Just uh, just for the, I don't know. what What's it called when you take joy in your own misfortune? That's not fraud and showed. Masochism.
0: <laughs> Masochism. Right? Yeah, especially when things are that bad.
1: <laughs> uh, we're going to look at the standings. Today, the Giants had an opportunity to do one last thing. They had one thing, one last thing that they could have done to make Giants fans happy. One thing. Thing Right. And just after a season or a month or six weeks of just not getting the things done, they once again failed today when they lost to the Dodgers to bring the Los Angeles Dodgers record for the season to 162, making the Dodgers, I think, the first team in the history of baseball to have four 100 win seasons in a row where they played more than 100 games. So, yay. Yay. The Dodgers won 100 games today, meaning that they finished 21 games ahead of the San Francisco Giants, who finished in fourth place. I will say this. They were 20 games ahead of the Colorado Rockies. The Giants had a losing record this season, and none of us are happy, but they finished 20 games against the Colorado Rockies. Remember when they won one out of four against them, Matthew, in September?
0: <laughs> well,
1: Bob. The Rockies.
0: Bob, Bob, what? Bob has some thoughts on this, right, Bob? Okay. At least we're not the Rockies. You know, that's really <sighs> the only thing we can say about the season, right? I mean, at least we're not the Rockies.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think, I feel like something needs to be done about the Rockies, right? Uh, I, well, forced ownership
0: yeah. change, right? Just like, you know, there needs to be something. To-
1: Tough. Yeah, there needs to be something done there because because that that is an organization that is just completely lost. Um, I, I feel like that organization is not trying. I think the Giants are trying. I just think they're trying the wrong things, <laughs> right? It's maybe the wrong people are trying. But, but Colorado really looks like they just don't care. They're just like, eh, let's just take the revenue share and, you know, <laughs> well, I'll just drink beer and, you know sit outside and say hey at least it's not snowing you know i don't know but anyway and in the wild card standings it didn't look quite that bad the giants finished today five games out of the final wild card spot five games behind the arizona d-bags five and a half behind miami who never finished one of their games and that's why they are five and a half games behind them and 11 games behind the Philadelphia Phillies for the first wild card spot. And that is your final standings review of the year. Matthew, who was hot? Who wasn't hot?
0: So, really, the only person that was hot this entire week was Casey Schmidt. And that was just Fe- today. He had two home Hall runs. Future Hall of Famer? Uh, yes, future Hall of Famer Casey Schmidt, two for six with two home runs. Both solo shots today in the final game of the season. Uh, Austin Slater, actually, if you want to get technical, batted 571 this week, but only had seven at-bats. J.D. Davis and Mitch Hanniger actually, in their very small sample size, hit well and then went on the IL. So can't really include them. Everyone else. I mean, Wilmer, 250, right? At a home run. I mean, so Wilmer is like average. Everybody else. Every. I mean, everybody else. Ben was cold, but you know who the coldest was?
1: Who was the coldest?
0: Gabe Kepler. He didn't finish the season.
1: (laughs) Released, relieved,
0: relieved, relieved of his duties.
1: I would say he wasn't cold. He was relieved. (laughs) You know, when sometimes when you feel relief, you get goosebumps, just like when you're cold.
0: Yeah, maybe he did. Um, Maybe he did.
1: I do want to make one interesting statement about Slater. Brandon Crawford today had the honor of changing everybody's walk up songs for
0: the day. I did not realize that.
1: And somebody put it out on 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 the Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, and and I saw the list and he chose it for everybody, for all twenty six guys. Nice. Even even the starting pitchers and the relievers, everybody had a walk up song picked. And Slater's was a song called Platoon. No <laughs> Oh
0: man! Like you will never yeah. see a right-handed <laughs> pitcher, Austin Slater. Never.
1: It was, it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I, you know, and and obviously he was making that in jest, um, to just everything and anything, but uh, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. So uh, yeah, Casey Schmidt. I I mean, I think we're gonna have an opportunity to talk about the rookies a lot the rest of this month. I do want to say that it was really nice to see him have a day like today. His swing looked really good. He looked really comfortable at the plate. He is still a guy. I never jumped off of his bandwagon. I'm still on his bandwagon. Him and Matos, too. I know there's people out there that, that you know are like, oh, Matos's glove is made of cement, and I never want to see him on a field again. You know that sort of mentality around Matos. I think he could be a fine corner outfielder, and I don't think he's definitively done in center field. I'm really excited about those guys, and so it was nice to see them have good days. Um, Matthew, it's time for today's trivia question.
0: Well, thank you. Yes, it is time for the trivia question, and the today's question is: What former MVP? Did Brandon Crawford replace as the starting shortstop for the San Francisco Giants?
1: What? But so Yoshi Shinjo and Rickard Fonaita were outfielders.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. So it can't possibly be one of them. You might need <laughs> to expand your your Giants knowledge on this one, Ben. Um, ooh.
1: Jim Davenport. <laughs>
0: okay what's Jim Davenport a uh an MVP I don't I oh. don't know I and know he that was he was uh he actually anything. has more in common with Kapler than uh than Crawford and well, then he was let go you might, out, you might have figured out you
1: might have figured out my secret Matthew uh <laughs> Jim Davenport final answer locking it in all
0: right all right we'll see how wrong that is at the end of the episode isn't it time for the booze boys What are you drinking, Ben?
1: Well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Bob, today I am drinking a cocktail called the Stone Fence. I mean, Stone Fence. I keep doing that. Uh, The Stone Fence is a very, very simple cocktail. So I have pizzazzed it up a little bit this week. If you want to hear more about what normally comes in a Stone Fence or why I made the choices that I made, you should listen to last Thursday's episode. We're really trying to get it so more people listen to the cocktail shows than the baseball shows. Um, We feel like the Giants have done a really good job helping us out there, and we're almost to that point. But anyway, what's in a stone fence? Well, the way I'm making it, it has two ounces of Laird's Applejack, but really, you can use any spirit that you want. You add to that, two to four dashes of your favorite bitters, but that's not traditional and totally optional. The only thing that's required in this cocktail is apple cider, and I am using Martinelli's sparkling apple cider. You pour all of those ingredients in, over ice into a highball glass, and then you garnish it with nothing, and you drink it down and you have three of them before you know it. It's the perfect cocktail for after, for having after your team was eliminated from the playoffs. And that's what I'm drinking today, Bob. A sparkly, bitter stone fence.
0: Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It's pretty good, Bob. What are you drinking, Matthew? Bob, I have fully embraced fall now. It's fall. Uh, You know, the Giants are out of the playoffs. It's definitely fall. And so I am drinking something called I Don't Give a Fig. And this recipe is courtesy of Alyssa Dunn from at Hell Queen Cocktails on Instagram. Uh, What's in it? It has two ounces of fig infused gin, a half ounce of Cointreau, a half ounce of orgeat syrup, one ounce lemon juice, a dash of absinthe, and garnish it with a fig. So you add all the ingredients except the garnish to a shaker with ice and shake for 12 to 15 seconds, double strain into a chilled coupe glass, and garnish with that fig. It's a nice herbal Uh, Welcome fall kind of cocktail with the fig kind of coming to the forefront. Uh, It's beautiful and tasty, and I highly recommend it. So that is what I'm drinking, Bob. I don't give a fig. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Really is, Bob. Really is.
1: Well, Matthew you know who probably doesn't give a fig anymore either too? Gabe Kapler. <laughs> Gabe Kapler. I you know, I mean no one cap, he probably does give a fig. He even said that he was going to go home after he was, you know, riding his bike along the embarcadero. Get this, as the Giants were getting ready to play baseball, he was riding his bike home
0: anyway yeah that's just let's Uh, let's 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 ruminate on that for a second because you know have you ever been let go from your job i have same uh you're probably driving home right i mean you know you get in your car maybe there's that there's that comfort level of the the car around you you know at least you're like you're silent you're all by yourself you can kind of sob or cry or do whatever it is that you do you know when you get fired and uh <laughs> i just I, you know in the comfort of your own private vehicle and you just can't do that when you're in a bike you know no, instead you got to ride your bike through san francisco
1: <laughs> yes. a really safe and you know place to ride your bike <laughs>
0: Actually, uh, when no I more was more safe though, they're actually devoting entire that, lanes to bikes now. Just, it was kind of interesting when I drove into the city the other day for the first time. That is true.
1: He did say that he rode along the Embarcadero and, and he lived in North Beach. That's that's a that's a that's long a way. Yeah, that's a track. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but anyway, the one time that I was um, fired in that way. Um, I had I, I got I, I don't know why I'm telling the story, but I got fired once and I was uh, we I, I had a mutual separation once. And um, uh, a mutual separation is kind of just like how you'd imagine it, folks. It was like you kind of have this argument and then you, but you both just realize that, like, this is over. And then you kind of just say that to each other. Uh, and that one I drove home. But the, the one where I was fired, Matthew, I I, I walked. I walked home because I only lived like a few blocks away and uh, I wasn't sad. I was angry. And, um, you know, I'm not Gabe Kapler, but I am Ben Henry and I'm not a Kapler apologist. I don't think anybody who listens to this show thinks that, right? But I think anybody who has listened to this show also knows that like Kapler is not the guy that I blame. Right. I think the how usually how I refer to Kapler is he's not the problem and he's not the answer. Right. Like he's you know, he's not going to solve all of your problems, but he's not the reason why you're upset about the Giants. And. And so I think if I was Gabe Kapler, if sorry, no, if it was Ben in Gabe Kapler's body while I was riding that bike home, I probably don't remember the bike ride home because I was probably in a rage, but that's probably not how Kapler did it. Cause Kapler is not, Kapler's cool. He's not, he's not like me.
0: No, Kapler's grounded in his emotions. He's, you know, really like, you know, I think he's kind of felt, you know, how, how it all came about. And, he he knows in his heart that he did the best he could, you know, and that kind of thing. And you know, and that's great. I'm I'm hoping that Kepler can can just you know ride off into the sunset, literally, and and be okay. I if I was Kepler though, I'd be pissed too. No, no, no. He lives in North Beach, not Sunset. Okay, (laughs) so he's not going east, he's going north. So, all right. Well, or west, whatever. But, you know, I I think that that, yes, we talked about this last week, right, that there was uh, that it wasn't really his fault that things were this way. But, you know, he is the CEO of of the organization of the team. And and so we heard after our podcast went live on Monday, uh, a couple of team leaders Uh, notably Yaz and Logan Webb uh, voiced, especially Logan Webb after his outing, you know, really voiced his frustrations of losing and called out like the clubhouse for the way that it had uh, just been okay with losing and not having enough preparation to win and felt like there needed to be some changes in the clubhouse and he kept referring in here and he was in the clubhouse when he said in here. So I think it was very clear. And then he actually, I think, I'm pretty sure he called out jock by name and talked about uh, his his desire to play cards instead of working on studying pitchers before the games. Uh, and I, I had to look up what Pusoy was. It's actually a Filipino poker game where four players get evenly distributed the cards and you have three different hands while you're playing. And it actually sounds like a lot of fun, but not, you know, right before a game. Maybe on a plane when you're traveling to another city, but not before a game. And apparently that's kind of where the giants were. And, and you know, you and I were talking about culture and how, you know, Kepler is the person that is responsible for that and when your leaders like Webb and Yaz are starting to voice their concerns out loud, it probably means that they've been voicing their concerns to Kapler and to uh, the leaders within the organization for a while and hadn't been getting the results that they were looking for. And so I, you know, there was some venting there because they were finally fed up with the way things had been. And, you know, and I think that once that got out, it was really hard to stuff that back into the bottle and Kepler's days were numbered.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if anybody is wondering why this happened, I, I think that, that all you have to do is listen to the players to understand why it happened and how it happened so quickly and what caused it to happen. I think there are more reasons, as I said at the top of the show, why it happened, but You know, Yaz never said anything before the fact, but Yaz's comments the day of, after it had happened, were very telling. Right? He said that there was no unity in this team, and when you have a player like Mike Yastrzemski saying that there's no unity on the team, that's a real problem, right? Because Mike Yastrzemski is a guy who takes the game very, very seriously. I imagine he approaches the game very similarly to how Gabe Kapler did when he was a player. But not everybody's like that. And you even heard some people say this in a positive way. Austin Slater said it. I think they really just kind of let us do what we wanted to do, do our own thing. Police ourselves and left us to ourselves and And Slater appreciated that. And you know what? I appreciate that, too. Nobody wants to be micromanaged. Nobody wants to be having somebody looking over your shoulder all of the time. But the opposite of that, no supervision whatsoever, being left to yourself, which is what players said, isn't necessarily great either. And when you start to have players say that there was no unity... Meaning there was, you know, everybody... You know, there you are in must-win games. And everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. And and that's probably not entirely true. I suspect there were smaller groups that were unified. And I, I'm going to tiptoe around this because I don't want to get myself into trouble, but I think everybody else can do the math. I think there were some groups on the Giants team that were unified and were united, but saw that the larger group wasn't and took steps to try to rectify that. And maybe it was too late or maybe it wasn't heard, but you did have players like Tyro Estrada stand up and Wilmer Flores stand up and try to get this team motivated, but it didn't work, right? For whatever reason. So I think there were groups within the Giants clubhouse that were united. But I think it is definitely certain that the group as a whole was not united. When you have people like Logan Webb and Mike Yastrzemski saying that, I think you have to take that at face value. And quite frankly, no manager is going to get through that unscathed. No. Right? When you're losing. When you're losing. Yeah. And I know a lot of people said and maybe you want to chime in on this, a lot of people said, oh, well, none of this happens when you're winning. But the thing is, they
0: weren't. They weren't winning. Exactly. So it's kind of a moot point. And, and and Logan Webb saying this is important because he's the only one that's under contract beyond like next year. You know, this is his team. He's the one that has committed to this team for the next five years. And, you know, and so he does not want to see His opportunities wasted. And so he's going to be vocal about it. And he's the ace of this team. He's admitted that he's, you know, he's not sure if that's his role because he's not an everyday player. But he is the guy that this team uh, looks up to because he is the one that the team is invested in. And so I, I feel like him saying that things needed to change was a huge turning point for this organization. And, and I think that, you know, it's been, you know, the fans have been unhappy with Kapler for a while. A lot of it having to do with his unconventional managing style that, you know, possibly, you know, what really wasn't, I don't think Kapler's fault, but really the way the team was constructed, you know, with the platoons and the, the lack of, of starting pitching and all that, you know, was really uh, Kapler's the way he was managing was really the result of either poor play by the players or the way that the roster was constructed in the first place and so i'm not sure that that was really his fault but at the same time the fans have reacted and what i've seen online a lot including from a lot of the media is they've asserted that the one of the main if not the main job and i feel like like i think uh 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 was it uh not Grant Brisby, Grant Grant, Grant. Brisbane, thank you, Brisby from the Athletic went so far as to say that the number one job of the manager is to make sure that fans are happy, and I'm not sure that's the number one thing, uh, but clearly connecting with the with the fans is an important part of the job. Uh, I I think it's kind of interesting because Bochy never went out of his way to really connect with the fans, but he won. And so there was that aspect of, you know, that people just really appreciated him.
1: Well, he also did things he he you know, there's this is a saying from from you see from television shows fan service. He made moves that served the fans. Right. So he doesn't need to talk or say anything to the fans. He just needs to know when to put the right player in not because it's the statistically highest chance of having success in this exact moment but because it will thrill the fans and sometimes that looks like it and then i think the way the media portrays it is oh he's he's giving his guy an opportunity to to have his moment but you know i mean that's really two sides of the same coin, which is like when you're giving an, a player the opportunity to have his moment, you're also letting the fans have that moment, right? And it's like letting a guy go the distance. It's a letting a guy finish an inning. It's letting a guy have the extra at bat. It's taking yeah. a guy out when he after he enters the field instead of before they go out to the field, like we saw today with, with Correa and and Crawford, although that was a no-brainer and an easy thing to do. That's the sort of stuff that Bochi would do, and I don't think that ever crossed Gabe Kapler's mind.
0: No, it didn't because, I mean, he pinch hit for Brandon Crawford with Mark Matthias. Okay, which was not a,
1: not a smart move under any. I don't know. That was just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen.
0: Right, but I think that that was a perfect example of how he has not connected with the fans. When he's using some guy that they pulled off the the waiver wire, or no, I guess they trade for him, I don't know, but whatever you know what I mean uh, in front of, in, instead of an all- time giant great and and so you know those those types of moves really kind of showed that Kepler was not the type of manager that even really wanted to connect with the fans or wanted to give an effort to that
1: right, but I don't think that's why Gabe Kapler was fired.
0: No, no, I I think he was fired because word had gotten out. It had become public that there were problems in the clubhouse problems with the giants. Leadership issues were prevalent. And how are you going to lure free agents into that type of environment? If, if you're Shohei Otani or any other free agent why are you going to consider the Giants if the the word on the street is that the clubhouse doesn't care about winning or losing and that the manager is has lost the team? Because I remember one of the players when asked about whether the Giants if Kepler had lost the clubhouse their immediate reaction was I don't does it he never had it to begin with. Yeah. And then backed off saying, "Well, that's a little strong." Yeah. But, well, and I, that was their original response. And you got to feel like that's that was probably, you know, the thought was that, you know, Kapler did not feel like that the clubhouse was something that he needed to police or control or have any kind of influence on. And it backfired and free agents are not going to want to come into that type of environment.
1: That's exactly right. And that is why Kapler had to be fired. Right. Like, I think even if you felt like he could have solved those issues, he could be a different kind of leader and that he could change his ways. I think the Farhan Zaidi that we saw and the talk that he gave after Kapler was let go is unlike any talk I have ever seen Farhan Zaidi give. It's almost like they listened to our show, Matthew, last week and were like, oh, we have been sort of like. Ivory Tower, arrogant jerks. And we kind of do suck.
0: (laughs) Like, maybe. And and then they even talked about like the entertainment value, right? I mean, this is something that the fans, you know, need to be connected to. And they hadn't actually produced that.
1: Right. And he said, We're going to change a lot of things and we're going to have to change all the things that we do. And that means Farhan said, I'm going to have to change the things that I'm going to do. And that means he's going to have to sign free agents. For the sake of signing a name that people will attach themselves to, rather than worrying so much about the value and, and how, you know, he can use those dollars to arbitrage something somewhere else, he's going to have to change his ways. And he said, we're going to have to go this offseason and we're going to have to get people who are going to be here a long time.
0: Right. Which frankly, means no opt out clauses, no right, like fancy, you know, little yeah, shenanigans with those I, Exactly.
1: I think he was speaking about that exactly. No more of those kinds of contracts, or at least not for the guys that matter. And so you're, you can't say that your biggest signing of the offseason is going to have that kind of contract. But yeah, it means that you're going to have to go out and get uh, free agents and you're going to have to present to them a place that they're going to want to go. And, you know, I think we've talked in the past about how Farhan has sometimes intimated that oh people don't like the Bay Area. Meanwhile, down in Santa Clara, you know one of the you know the best defender in in football just signed a Hooper Mega ex- uh, extension to uh, stay in the Bay Area, and uh, you know we know how that guy thinks about the world, and he wants to live here. So I think those sorts of arguments are complete BS. But now, when you have a clubhouse with a bad culture and a manager who doesn't interact with the team at all, except in one-on-one walks to Phil's, then you, you are not going to get the free agents. Nobody's going to want to sign here. And, you know, like, I don't know how many problems they solved with Gabe Kapler getting fired, but at least they made it a little bit better. But boy, you know... I, I I don't know how this gets much better because, you know, like I, I, I don't think it's any secret. I don't think Gabe Capra was the problem. Farhan Zaidi is the problem, right? His way of viewing the baseball world and trying to build a roster is the problem. And that problem persists.
0: Well, it absolutely persists. I, I mean, you look at next year's, you know, who's, who's coming back. We had six rookies starting in the, on the offensive side on Sunday You know, and we had a a starting pitcher who was a rookie. That is all, you know, while it's a really great young team that kind of gives the fans some excitement about the possible future, it doesn't really, uh, I don't think it really speaks to winning in the immediate future. You know, I mean, I think these guys need another year or two of seasoning before they're what we think they could be. And some of them will never be, right? And so there's, and then you've got guys like Yaz and you know, and then there, we have all the opt in, opt out guys like, you know, like Conforto and Haniger, And so this offseason is going to be instrumental, but there's also going to be a lot of maybe even backtracking on some of these young guys that we've played or maybe even not offering someone like, Yaz a contract. I mean, there's all of these types of things that are going to happen because they're they, Farhan is in the position now where he's got to win.
1: Right. Well, so, okay, look, we We need to talk about who we think might replace Kepler, but-, but Tim Linsacum. the end. And I think, I think, <laughs> what is in the cocktail you were drinking today? Uh, well, I think we know what's in it, if you're saying Tim Lincecum. I just
0: explained it to you what was in there, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, plus other I stuff. don't give anyway, a fig, Ben. No, I no. don't give a fig, okay? No, like, look, I, look, I- I think I'm jumping ahead of myself a couple episodes here. I don't think that next year is going to be much better than this year. I think that the Giants as an organization have an opportunity to, to put together a product that is entertaining because it's young and interesting. I think if you want to look for a season that is comparable to next year in the past. I think next year is 1986.
0: Right. Will that be enough Nine, to keep Farhan's job though?
1: I don't think so. No.
0: I don't. So the I, next GM is going to benefit from all the Yeah, young guys the next
1: that... the next GM is going to benefit from all of the young guys, all of the work that Farhan did of like building up the 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 minor leagues, and keeping the contracts clear. They're definitely going to benefit from that. But, you know, at the same time, Farhan should have benefited from that too, right, on the trading and free agent side, and he didn't. So I I think next year is, is not going to be great. I think that, but I think they can put a product out there that's interesting because it's young. And I think it would be, I also believe and agree with you, though, that Farhan will do whatever he can to try to save his job. So there probably will be a lot of yo-yoing of young guys. And we will see a lot of scrap heap veterans thrown at the wall to see if they stick. And, and unfortunately, he will do that as he gets more desperate to try to get the team to perform.
0: Well, that's so more I, of the same, though. I mean, he's been doing that for the last four years.
1: Well, I mean, what, the only other thing that can save his job is this off season. So we'll know whether or not Farhan has done what he needs to do by opening day, right? Because, like, he, otherwise he can't save himself after that.
0: $600 so, million dollars to Shohei Otani.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you know, and and hiring a manager that can convince Shohei to come here for any amount of money.
0: Shuyoshi so Shinjo. <laughs>
1: That's what Cole Kuiper said. I was I, I like, think that's "Genius, and, man!" That's I mean, genius. I didn't. He, he's managing in Japan right now. Yes. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on board. Let's bring Shinjo back as the manager. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I will. I blatant,
0: will. As a blatant way of trying to lure Shohei Otani. Let's that's just, right. You know, yes. Shinjo. Yes.
1: And and Giant Cocktails Nation.
0: That's right. That's right. Every cocktail after this will be like Japanese whiskey. (laughs) You know, we'll be like, we'll be all in on the show. That's right. That's right. And And so
1: on that note, like, okay, given that we know that the next manager coming in I mean, I don't know who they can convince to be a manager, right? Because everybody's going to come in knowing that Kapler's on the hot seat and that it, if Kapler gets sorry, sorry, that sorry that Farhan is on the hot seat. If Farhan gets fired at the end of this year and they hire a new head of baseball operations, that person is going to come in and fire the manager and hire their own manager. Yeah. So whoever they hire for this manager spot this year is going to know that. So they're going to have a real hard time hiring somebody and they're probably going to have to give them something like a three or four, I think of a four-year contract. Three years sounds pretty standard. So four years, right, might be the way to lure somebody. So that's possibly three years of free money if Farhan gets fired. Um, So that's all very interesting. And I don't know how they're going to make that work. But that's the position they put themselves in. So, Matthew, who replaces Kapler?
0: Hmm. Well, contrary to fan wishes out there, Buster Posey is not going to be the next manager. All right. And I
1: don't think he should be. No. I mean, well, he has one, no managing a, experience. Well, also, and, he's he's a part owner, and that's kind of weird. So, I mean, I guess that would be okay. It's like, you know, it's the same as being the GM, I guess.
0: Yeah. But also,
1: I, we want Buster to be around for the next 40 years.
0: Right, right. Yes, exactly. He gets fired from his next manager gig at the Giants. He's not going to be around for that long. So, uh, you know, I think if you're looking for giant greats uh, to come to mind, Matt Williams, who was a former manager of the year. Um, I don't know, necessarily think that he was the right fit for this team. But talk about uh, oil
1: and water with Farhan Zaidi. Yeah, yeah. I cannot think guy. of a guy who would be more different, which is not necessarily a bad thing.
0: Yeah. I, I think, you know, as far as like giant personalities that the fans could get behind Hunter Pence.
1: I could, follow could, Hunter on social media. I think I would love to play Dungeons and Dragons with Hunter. I would love to play Magic the Gathering against Hunter. I don't think I want him to be... Next name, Matthew.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I just, yeah, you were wondering. I, uh, Well, I, you know, the name that has been thrown around a lot because he's still affiliated with the Giants and has the connection to the past is Ron Wotus.
1: Ron Wotus, the guy who was hitting ground balls to Brandon Crawford today
0: before yes. the game. Yes, but he who, would be somebody that would possibly be like, yeah, I'll take on this maybe. For a year? Gig, you know, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, I
1: actually do think that he would. I think that he would. He would be like, you know, I, I mean, sure, I, you know, I'll take on the job for a year and and whatever happens, happens. And that's not it's not a bad guy. It's not a bad yeah, choice. Yeah. because, I, And
0: I think that the clubhouse respects him. And he, he's got a little bit of old school. You know, he's worked with Bochy for all those years. Well, he's so, worked with this staff. Yeah, he, he has. Right. Exactly. Coach. So maybe there would be a lot of, you know, kind of keeping some of the same staff. So so there's that. Uh, the other one that's named thrown around who is interesting is Mark Hallberg, the third base coach for the Giants. And what is also interesting? And and Buster Posey's former roommate in college. And very good friend. Yes. That's right. And so I think, uh, which, you know, there, and and Hallberg himself has a little bit of the old school way of doing things, uh, but also has been, you know, close to the current staff. So there could be some continuity there as well that uh, might, might be okay. I heard Pavlovich
1: say that he was like, maybe as close as they came to a dissenting voice. In, mm. in this organization. And I and I do think, you know, that is one big major problem that they had in this organization is that from Farhan all the way down everybody thought the same way. Which mm. is why I think some of the other names that are on the list would not probably have no chance and that would be
0: the current manager of the Giants? Kai, Kai Correa? Yeah. Kai Correa? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that. Uh, well, first of all, he has you know a very limited uh, major league experience beyond bench coach for the Giants, uh, and and so I don't know. I mean, maybe the clubhouse thinks very differently of him. I don't know, but it it just seems like he wouldn't be the most immediate you know, choice.
1: I think he's too much like Cap. I I think you know I have heard oh people players love him. I think that's an exactly reason why not to go for him. Um, I think you don't necessarily need a guy that the players love. I think a lot of the players like the way Cap did things because he let yeah. them do whatever they wanted. Uh, so I don't know. And then I think he's just too close to, to the way things have always been. I don't think the fan base is really going to buy into that if if the manager is just all about appeasing the fans. Yeah. Right? Well, <laughs> Which, I,
0: I, Yeah. I do say, I, I do want to acknowledge that the last time the Giants brought a former catcher from the Padres to the Giants, it worked out pretty well. That's right. (laughs) And so Bob Melvin is rumored uh, to maybe be on the, on the outs uh, in San Diego. Uh, But then I'm left to wonder, like if he couldn't turn around that team with those players, what makes you think that he's going to be a good fit with the Giants?
1: Well, I don't know enough about what happened in San Diego this year. It, he it knows is they really did make the playoffs, though, right? I, I do know that, and I, but I also know that they scored a hundred plus. They their run differential uh, was. So the you can say the
0: luck was luck was not on their side.
1: Or they made some really stupid decisions in key moments. Right? They were zero and twelve in extra inning
0: games before they did beat the Giants. Before the Giants, sorry, they were the one and thirteen. I went to uh, for you know. At yes, the end
1: of the I'm sorry that yeah. that happened to you, Matthew. I'm sorry you were at the game where the Padres won their first extra innings game. I'm sorry they're were... still on the
0: field like they'd won the World Series after they won that. Uh,
1: they should have I mean, I am sorry that... I don't blame them for that. I, I am sorry that you were at the game that the Giants were knocked out of the playoffs. I am sorry that you were at the game that the Padres moved ahead of the Giants in the standings. I am sorry that you were at the game where the Giants locked in the fact that they could not have a winning season. And I'm also
0: sorry that you only went to one game. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I the bleachers, because I just felt like that was the only kind of money that I wanted to invest in the Giants. I gotta no, tell you, nope. Can I tell you, nobody in the bleachers pays attention to the game. There were so many conversations going around with me; none of them were about the game. the The young ladies in front of me from the law uh, law school I don't I never found out which one. They were all uh, potential lawyers, future lawyers. They were having wonderful conversations. None of it about the game. Uh, you know, the guys behind me were having a lot of fun, not really paying attention to the game. So yeah, bleachers are interesting. Bleachers are interesting, definitely. Or maybe the giants are boring, and you have to make your own fun.
1: Even when you go to the game.
0: Fair, fair. Right? Yeah.
1: So, okay. So, getting back to, but you were talking about the Padres and and former managers there. Like, uh, Bob Melvin, so, so the deal in, in San Diego is, is that, yes, Bob Melvin is on the hot seat, mainly because they missed the playoffs, but also because apparently he and their head of baseball operations, or whatever the heck his title is, A.J. Preller, don't like each other and and so so there's a possibility that Melvin could be relieved of his duties i think he would be a strong consideration for the giants because a he has worked with Farhan in the past he is analytically minded but i think he's also very good at working with young players. And this is one thing where I am not sorry to see Kapler go if that's the way that he ran his clubhouse. If he let players just go fend for themselves and just let them do their own thing, and you have a roster full of at least half of them are rookies, young men who are 21 to 23 years old, and you're just kind of like ignoring them all and just letting them all do their own thing... That doesn't sound like a good situation to me. Bob Melvin is used to that. That's the Oakland A's.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And so, you know, I, I, I could see Melvin working with a young team that's not full of prima donnas who all think they're not just the best guy on the team, but the best guy in baseball, which I'm sure can be aggravating for anyone. But, you know, yeah, I do think they have to take a hard look at what was wrong with the Padres this year if they're going to extend an offer to Melvin, if Melvin is available. Because, quite frankly, I look at the Padres and I think there's not a long, a lot wrong there. I think if you kept the band together and bred everybody back, next year they're going to be the team that you thought they were going to be this year. So I don't know that, that Melvin is going to be available, but I definitely wouldn't take him off the list because of the Padres' woes this year.
0: Who's also a former Giant. You know, exactly. Played three, seasons, played three seasons with the Giants. Yeah. Backed he up Bob Brenly. That's right. Uh, he the was Brenly's
1: backup. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and hit like a backup, to be honest. But still, yeah. you know, um, yeah, you know, he's got a giant pedigree, definitely. Right.
1: One other big name that is allegedly out there because his contract is expiring. I think by his choice, it's not clear. Is Craig Council, who has been extremely successful in Milwaukee, and is still you know still in it. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever he's available, his contract will expire. Whenever this brewer season ends this year. And it sounds like because he doesn't want to go back to Milwaukee, I guess. They haven't extended him, his contract's just gonna expire. And so he's available. Um, I don't know that you know I, you also do have Tim Linsick on this list, which I think is amazing.
0: <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I put him Nobody on the list even because...
1: knows where that man is.
0: But he could just stroll in and everybody be like, you know, like it's 10 months to come. And... Can you imagine? Can you imagine he strolls
1: in instead of a big like John McGraw stogie? He's got a, he's got a he's got, got a, he's
0: got a doobie. Yeah. Hanging
1: out of his mouth and he just points, never speaks, just points. And he does that for the next 50 years while the Giants pass the Yankees in World Series one. That would be amazing. I'd sign up for that.
0: I would say I am buying those
1: season tickets. (laughs) Uh, uh, But, uh, but another did did we talk about Stephen Vogt? Somebody that we did not, we did not.
0: And Stephen Vogt, very well respected catcher, former Giant, a like you know, and now I think he's a coach for the Seattle Mariners. And uh, so, and there seems to be some some sentiment that eventually he will become a manager. And there was a lot of respect for Stephen Vogt when he was a giant. So, you know, he could be a a candidate as well, especially the kind of guy that if you're offering him a big jump up into a manager role, that he might not mind the volatility that comes with it.
1: Right. Okay. well, you know, I'm going to wrap this conversation up by saying this, Matthew, because I think we're going to talk about this more as the month of October goes on, because this Mm. this decision is going to be made by the end of October. Uh, Whoever they bring in, I want two things. I want somebody who is going to be able to work with young players at the major league level, right? Who is going to help them develop, who is going to understand that they're young, who is going to run out there and stand up for them 100% of the time when they're getting jobbed by Angel Hernandez, you know, and instead of 50% of the time like Kapler did, you know— even if you don't like to get thrown out of games. Like, sometimes you're not doing it for the fans, Grant. Sometimes you're doing it for the young 22-year-old player who needs to see his boss stand up for him. And maybe that's what a manager's supposed to do. Anyway, uh, you know, so I'd like to see a guy who could work with young players. And, and, and the other thing is, is I want somebody who's going who's gonna to listen to Farhan Zaidi and say, wow, Farhan, that's a really interesting idea, and then go do something entirely different like that's what we need in a manager. We need those two things. So whoever it is, I hope they can do both of those things. We're getting close to the end of time, Matthew, but we do need to talk about something very sad. Oh, we do. Sadder than sadder than the Giants not making the playoffs. Uh, Made sadder because the Giants didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Because that's we true. get less time. Today was most likely um, Brandon Crawford's last day as a San Francisco Giant and possibly his last day as a Major League Baseball player. And I saw that you put down here a list of favorite Brandon Crawford moments. Are we supposed to
0: pick one? These were some of my lists. You may have Mm. another list. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I saw that you had the cameo, his cameo on Live and Maddie, a Disney show yeah. on there. I Classic that, My I thought he was bad in those cheesesteak shop commercials.
0: Yeah, he acted about the same in Live <sighs> and Maddie. He was
1: pretty bad. He does not have a second career in acting. But you know what? Neither does Barry Bonds and he's making commercials. For, yeah,
0: I, you know, just uh, live and Maddie was very popular in my house uh, <laughs> when my kids were 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 growing up, and uh, it was on on the background all the time. And it was one of those shows that I actually started looking forward to my kids watching. And uh. and what cemented it was the cameo of Bicraw on there. One of the characters. It was his favorite player. She took him to see him. They got to meet him, and it caught a home run or a foul. She caught the home. He, he she he did not and uh and so it was a great episode i love i I love that he was on it and i just thought it was like so random that it has right. to be one of like the like the highlights of of the giant's uh career well right
1: yeah i mean i think the other moments you have on here are all great i think the you have his his first hit which is a grand slam you have the grand slam that he hit off of um
0: Volkes, Edison Volkes. Yeah, Edison
1: Volkes in, in Pittsburgh uh, against his, I think at that time, future brother-in-law's team, the Pirates. Because yeah. that's where Cole started. Um, and those were two seminal moments. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's his his the one that just really sticks out to me. All you know, no, what sticks out to me is, and I know it was kind of an extra inning kind of thing, is his seven hits mm-hmm. in 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 Miami. Yeah. I think that was kind of like you know one of those things because it was just sort of like, you know, he had these 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 heroic moments, but it was really cool for for a guy who's largely known for his defense to have this sort of hitting record. So I'm gonna go with the seven hits in Miami.
0: But yeah, 2004- yeah, I, I feel like a, his defense should be a part of this. Obviously, there's like, I mean, other than the double play to, you know, in the late in, in the 2014 Game 7 World Series of Panic to, to Crawford. I largely think was, of that as a Joe Panic play. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the the the, the pivot he made on that was amazing. And, and I yes. think indicative of the fact that he was a tremendous defensive player uh, in his prime. And, and so it's hard to kind of single out anything, but I think we can all, we can all remember those backhands deep in the hole with the gun across the, the diamond and just, you know, the diving up the middle and, and with the, the flip of the glove to the second baseman, you know, just all those types of plays that I think we've kind of taken for granted that it's just something that players do because we've seen it like every, you know, every other game for 13 years.
1: Let me add this, because I, I remember talking about him in an episode that season. But I, I, I know we picked singular, you're talking about singular moments here, but I think 2021 and his performance that year was, and I think I said it then, which was, it's just like, it's, a, it's so satisfying to see one of the all-time great giants, possibly the best shortstop the organization has ever had. Right. Like if you go up into baseball heaven and they say, here's the Giants, Giants starting nine, it's probably going to be Brandon Crawford at shortstop. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And to see him have his career year in 2021 coincide with the best year in terms of wins for the organization overall was was really, really awesome. It wasn't one moment, um, but it was. When everything came together and I thought, you know, so I, I do want to call out just 2021 overall is is also a big, a big thing. But I think it's it's very telling that we're having a hard time even just pick, picking one moment. Sure. Right. I don't yeah. think and, one moment describes a player like that.
0: Right. And just the connection that he had to the team from the time he was a little boy, you know, advocating for the the Giants not to sell the team with that infamous photo and candlestick. You know, to the moments, you know, just to growing up with the team and being a part of the Brandons with Belt and Crawford and just the camaraderie and the banter that those two had and just, you know, just really, really helped us connect to the Giants in a way that few players had. And what's interesting about that is that he's not this outgoing, gregarious guy but he allowed us to kind of see him in in his moments and and really connected to us and, and and had a lot of fun with Brandon Belt and just, you know, all those moments just really kind of, I think, help you love the guy even more and just feel really thankful that he was a giant for all of his career.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Well, I mean, we don't know. He hasn't retired yet.
0: That's but, true. I mean, maybe he goes. To, maybe he goes to. You know,
1: maybe yeah, he goes. To he's definitely done know. as the Giants. The Giants have to move on. There's just no way they can bring him back. Um, I I do know that he believes he can still play, but he really hasn't made up his mind. But I think we all know he's he's not going to be a Giant next year. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. Okay. Well, I think Matthew. That brings us to the end of our show for today. As I said, we are going to be talking about this manager stuff for the rest of October. We are also going to wrap up the season as a whole. Uh, We're going to talk about a bunch of positive things, give out some cocktails, well, cocktail, fictional cocktails to people as awards for the season. Um, I think we'll probably do that
0: next week, Matthew. Yeah. Unless they hire a manager or something. Yeah. Unless something big
1: else happens, right? You know, so um, that's what we'll do next week. Um, But, we still need to answer today's trivia question, Matthew.
0: Yes. It's time for the uh, answer to today's trivia question. If you recall, the trivia question was what former MVP did Brandon Crawford replace as the starting shortstop for the San Francisco giants? And Ben had said, Jim Davenport final answer. He locked it in. He Obviously played, he very, played like hundred,
1: almost 200 games at shortstop. Okay. It's not like I'm, it's not like it was ridiculous.
0: Okay, but in what years? Uh,
1: n- n- well, he played his most
0: in 1964. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so you're a little off. A little off on the time timing. But, and it's very uh, <laughs> rare that a guy goes from
1: manager to shortstop.
0: Yeah, very rare. Very rare. <laughs> the answer is former MVP Miguel Tejada, what? who had signed a $6.5 million contract prior to the 2011 season and didn't even finish the year with the Giants. He was released before the end of the season after Crawford took over as the starting shortstop.
1: Wow! So he he was signed to a six and a half million dollar contract,
0: which back S- then was a lot of money. Yeah, you know, not so big now, but that was a lot of money back then.
1: Sucked so bad that he was released. Sounds like, sounds like the Giants had some cojones back then.
0: Yeah, exactly. They cut bait on guys that they had actually signed and realized wasn't a, uh, a good fit.
1: Meanwhile, who finished the game today for the San Francisco Giants, Matthew?
0: Marco Luciano, shortstop. At shortstop,
1: future. yes. But who was the pitcher on the mound? Oh, <laughs> Ross Stripling. Once and future San Francisco Giant. Ross Stripling was the man who closed it out for the Giants today.
0: Uh, mainly because nobody else wanted to pitch and they're like, you're just going to finish this game, Ross.
1: Are you sure nobody else
0: wanted to? <laughs> <laughs> I think they were all done. They were already packed their bags for yeah, yeah, yeah. to the airport by then. All right. Well, so that is it looking ahead, Ben. Uh, I am going to be drinking on Thursday's episode of happy hour An apple cinnamon old fashioned. Ben, what are you drinking on Thursday?
1: (sighs) Matthew, I'm starting my week, my month of bitterness because the Giants should be in the playoffs and aren't. So until October is over, it's nothing but bitterness. So next week, I'm drinking the cocktail classic, spirit forward, over 125 years old classic,
0: the Rob Roy. Rob Roy. All right. Well, we will see how bitter Ben gets on Thursday. Our opponents coming up, Ben, uh, we don't really have any unless you, you count.
1: What are you talking about? I wrote two names down here. I see that. I see that.
0: Farhan Saidi and Shohei Otani. Well,
1: show it's really Shohei Otani's agent.
0: Yes, that's those,
1: true. Those are those are our enemies this off season. If Farhan can just stay out of his own way, and if we can just somehow get Shohei Otani to sign with the Giants, and you know what, I don't care if all he ever is is a DH for the rest of forever, folks would you have taken Babe Ruth after he left the Red Sox? Absolutely. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's Absolutely. supposed to be a no-brainer question, right? So, yeah, I'll take Babe Ruth after he leaves the Red Sox.
0: All right. Well, folks, that wraps it up. Uh Thank you for stopping in after the season's already done. Uh, You know, I know a lot of our listeners have already thrown in the bag and have been like, whatever the giants are, are done, but uh, we appreciate you for continuing to listen and we'll continue to bring you some giant content during the off season that started way too prematurely Uh, what you can do though. As a way to help the podcast is don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done so already. And to like and review our podcast. Give us a really great, amazing uh, review on Apple Podcasts if you can. That would be wonderful. And don't forget to follow us on the social medias. uh, The platform formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Mastodon at Giant Cocktails. You can find us with all of our recipes and on the platform formerly known as Twitter. You know, we you know tend to get on the and and interact with with our listeners. So I hope you'll join us then. Ben, it's been great having another season. Our third season of Giant Cocktails is in the books. I never thought we would do three episodes seasons of anything because that's just not how we roll but uh, here we are so uh, it's been great chatting with you again this week Ben or this year even Ben until next time cheers my friend
1: I for one believed in us the entire time cheers Matthew bye everybody goodbye
0: Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. You believed in us, huh? (laughs) I don't believe that for a second.
1: I didn't, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect.